This show includes adult conversations around sometimes sensitive topics. Check the show notes at cxmhpodcast.com for trigger warnings. You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Welcome back to CXMH. My name is Dr. Holly Oxhandler, and I am your guest host today while Robert Bohr is out uh, during the season with his family. I'm honored to be hosting a part two episode today on the Enneagram and our faith journey, particularly thinking about the role of the church with Dean Singletary. Uh, Again, Dean Singletary is sitting with me. Uh, He's the professor and the dean of the Diana R. Garland School of Social Work at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. John received his MDiv from the Baptist Theological Seminary and his MSW and PhD from Virginia Commonwealth University School of Social Work. His interests are primarily in community practice, organization, and leadership. Um, And as I mentioned last week, I've known John for the last three and a half years and um, have so enjoyed getting to work with him um, here at the Garland School of Social Work. He is the person who introduced me to the Enneagram when I first joined our faculty. Um, And he studies under Suzanne Stabile in her apprenticeship program um, and is often asked to speak about the Enneagram in our community. Um, John joined us last week to talk about the Enneagram, particularly with our faith journey, uh, and has agreed to join us again this week to talk about the Enneagram in the church. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing great. It's great to be back. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us again. So today's episode is going to be more on some of his more recent work that involves the Enneagram in the church. So uh, John recently spoke at the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's um, 2018 Church Works meeting in San Antonio, Texas, and focused his talk primarily on uh, congregational well-being in the Enneagram. So I was really fascinated to see how he was able to tie in the Enneagram with congregational well-being, and it asked him to come in and talk with us about this. So do you mind telling us a little bit about uh, this event and... Um, yeah, what, what was it that you shared with these church leaders? Yeah, not at all. I'm excited to talk about it. I was a little curious myself what I was going to say <laughs> at this event. I had several months to prepare, so that was nice. I think a lot about the Enneagram as a tool for personal well-being. And last year, the focus of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's Church Works Conference was personal well-being. And they didn't use the Enneagram. But they approached me as we were preparing for their second year, and they said, we understand the Enneagram is about personal well-being. However, our focus this year is congregational well-being. What do you think you can do? (laughs) So I said, give me some time to think about it. So I went in with this hypothesis. I am a researcher, after all. Uh (laughs) And suggested that in the same way that... Uh, Our personalities are shaped by thinking and feeling and doing. And we talked more about that last week, of course. How might those same elements show up in the life of the church? In organizational literature, that's where a lot of my research is, there is talk about different 
dimensions of well-being in organizations and learning organizations and healthy organizations in shaping the organizational culture. And several of those dimensions use words like affective, cognitive, and instinctive. Well, affective, cognitive, and instinctive are very similar to feeling, thinking, and doing. Mm. And another way of talking about how we engage the heart, the head. Mm -hmm. And for this context, I use hand. It's mm -hmm. good alliteration. Mm -hmm. I was actually building off a theme that my pastor used a few weeks ago to shape uh, a conversation around the strategic vision of our own church. Mm. We have a new pastor, Reverend Mary Alice Birdwhistle, Calvary Baptist here in Waco. And she designed this conversation around how the heart, the head, and the hand are different aspects of our church and how we should live with those in balance. Well, a lot of the Enneagram is focused on how we should also seek that same balance mm -hmm. in our personal lives. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked last week about how for each of our personalities, one of those three characteristics is more dominant and how we just respond to everyday life. And one of those characteristics kind of lags behind. So I'm a person who is a doer, and my feelings are always playing catch-up. And I have to be aware of that. So what does that look like in the life of a church? And it was interesting, the conversations we had mm -hmm. at, at this event. So we spent three days uh, with some people already knowing the Enneagram, and some of the ministers there learning it for the first time. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them really uh, intrigued by the idea of, well, I have a pretty heady church. Mm -hmm. I have a church that probably spends too much time just thinking about our mm -hmm. faith. And it's hard for us to really put it in action or That's give so it features. Uh, and other pastors mm -hmm. were saying, well, you know, I've got a really kind of feeling-oriented church. We're kind of a touchy-feely group. We really pay attention to the needs mm -hmm. of our ministry in terms of how we feel about them. But we're not always doing something in response, mm -hmm. and we don't always think about what's best. So it really was an interesting conversation. Huh, that's fascinating. So the church as a whole, and, and you're talking not just about the leadership of those churches, yeah. but of yeah. the whole congregation yeah. and how they're responding. So huh. organizational research literature talks about how organizations have their own culture. Mm -hmm. Organizations take on a culture. Mm -hmm sometimes influenced by leaders, but after a while, apart from leaders, mm -hmm. because of strong personalities within the organization, but also from other societal factors that shape the culture of different organizations. And so uh, we've done some work applying organizational culture theory mm -hmm. to congregations. Congregations also have their own personality. Mm -hmm. We can look at different churches around our community and be able to talk about, oh, that's definitely more of a feeling-oriented church. Mm. Or all the Baylor professors go to that church because that's a heady, <laughs> that's a church where they're in their head. Uh -huh. Or that's a missions-oriented church. It's a real doing mm. church. So, you know, we all kind of talk that way. Mm -hmm. But how might the Enneagram influence how we think about those characteristics? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that any, that churches have... A number, you know, I'm not saying that we're a three church or a five church, mm -hmm. but it's really about more about the dimensions mm -hmm. because those dimensions do show up in 
writings about churches and other organizations. Uh, there's actually a leadership book called Heart, Hand, and Guts mm. and how that influences leaders. There's a TED Talk uh, by uh, the writers who came up with uh, emotional intelligence mm -hmm. talking about uh, the ways these three dimensions shape leaders and organizations. Mm -hmm. And then there's been other writing that's kind of linked leadership characteristics based on these characteristics based on these dimensions to the life of the organization. Mm -hmm. So it's really just an opportunity for the church leaders to think about their own personality, the different personalities on their church staff mm -hmm. that make that comprise their staff, and then how that affects the rest of the church. Oh, that's fascinating. So some church leaders were able to say, you know, we have a we have a staff and all of our numbers are kind of this have the same characteristics. Mm -hmm. And our church is always telling us we need to lean more in this direction. Mm -hmm. And really the Enneagram mm -hmm. hits the nail right on the head in terms of what, what we're wrestling with. Mm -hmm. uh, one pastor was able to say, well, our church has kind of been a thinking church. And after the last pastor left, they realized it was a good opportunity to figure out how to be more missionally involved, how to be more of a doing church. Mm -hmm. And they hired a pastor who had the ability to put some of their thoughts into action. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, at Calvary, we were interested in a, in a more feeling-oriented pastor, mm. and Mary Alice is a two, uh, so it kind of reflects. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of reflects some of the needs of our congregation as well. Uh -huh. So it really was a fascinating conversation yeah. about how congregations have some of these same characteristics, and really the end goal was not just what are the characteristics of, of your church. But how do we live with these in balance? Mm -hmm. What really matters most in our individual lives is trying to seek that balance among these characteristics. That's how we live healthy lives, whole lives. Uh, in terms of the spiritual journey, we talk about the fact that we are not our personality. Mm -hmm. A personality is not who we're created to be. It's who we've become. But really, God has created us to be a, a much more whole complete kind of person. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a doer who struggles with feeling. And I know that my best self is someone who balances doing, thinking, and feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's that's my goal. But I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I have to allow the Spirit of God mm -hmm. to work that out in my life. But I have to be aware of opportunities for the Spirit to work. Mm -hmm. And likewise and in current, our churches. And your current strengths, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. of course. Yeah, how my... Yeah, I mean, a lot of Enneagram work uh, gives us opportunity to think about strengths as well. Right. But to not over-rely on those. Right, exactly. Yeah, and then to how to bring up some of those other areas that maybe we're not just engaging in as much. Yeah, that absolutely. makes perfect sense. So um, what? So you, you started getting at a little bit about what that might look like in congregations, particularly congregations who are more thinking-oriented or feeling-oriented or doing. But can you unpack that a little bit more about what, what would a, a thinking congregation look like versus yeah. feeling and doing? So one of the things that we, we hinted at last week was one of these characteristics is usually dominant, mm -hmm. but then... In Enneagram language, we say one of them is repressed. So I'm a, uh, I'm a person who is feeling repressed. So if I were a part of a church that is able to say, we're, you know, we, we know we have a lot of academics. We're a pretty thinking-oriented church. But 
what would balance look like for us? Or what are places, and sometimes you don't even know that you don't have this balance, mm-hmm. right? That's true for most of us. We have these blind spots mm-hmm. where we don't see what's missing unless we practice this self-observation. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the spiritual tools of the Enneagram. From the early 20th century, George Gurdjieff, who wrote about the spirituality of the Enneagram first, talked about how non-judgmental observation is key to this to the spiritual journey of the Enneagram. So for churches, how is that true? How, how can our churches practice observation mm-hmm. of our personality? Mm-hmm. One of the things that we realized in my own church is that we have a fair share of Baylor faculty, mm-hmm. and we're rooted in a neighborhood uh, surrounded by uh, and affected by poverty mm-hmm. in adverse ways, and we really want to be a resource in the community. Mm-hmm. And we want to find ways... Uh, to be more open to families who live in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But it can be a real disconnect for a family who hasn't grown up in the church, who might not have college education, Mm -hmm. to walk into a Sunday school class where there's three Baylor professors, a dean, a director of some department who's teaching the lesson Mm -hmm. about how his study of biology affects the theology of incarnation. And this, this community member is wondering, wait a minute, this is not what I thought Bible study was. Yeah. So we're a pretty heady church. And I love our church. I fit right in, but it's not for everyone. And we often say at our at our church that we want to be a church for everyone. Most churches think well, of that course. way. Yeah. All churches want yeah. that. But how do we observe ways that we're just practically not that? Yeah. For years, we just said we want to be a church for everyone, but we weren't really looking at ourselves in the mirror mm-hmm. and asking these questions. Mm-hmm. And the Enneagram is really just a mirror. Mm-hmm. It, that's, that's at its best, that's what it is. It's a tool to help us self-reflect and observe mm-hmm. our personality. And it can be that for a church as well. Mm-hmm. We can hold up this mirror and ask, how are ways that being in our head helps us and hurts us? Mm-hmm. What are ways that being connected at a feeling level helps us and hurts us? And what are ways of doing or not doing, mm-hmm. living out the gospel or not living it out enough, helps us or hurts us? So our church is, is saying we have a pretty good balance between heart and head, but we're right here in this community with mm-hmm. so many ministry options, mm-hmm. and we just feel stuck. Mm-hmm. We aren't sure what to do or how to do it. Mm-hmm. And we'll read a book like When Helping Hurts, very popular a few years ago, about reshaping missions and ministry and congregational life. And we'll do a book study on it. Mm-hmm. And we'll have <laughs> He's some, trying to think Yeah, <laughs> we will think about what to do and what not to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> but after six months, three years, mm. we have some heart-oriented people who are doing good things, but organizationally, mm-hmm. as a whole, our, our church could have much greater impact in our community if if we would pay a little bit more attention Mm -hmm. to why are we struggling with the ability to to follow through on some of these things? Mm -hmm. Why do we get stuck in thinking about it? Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's really what the conversation was about for most churches. That's great. I was trying to figure out where are the places where we maybe have thought we have balance, Mm -hmm. but really don't have the balance we 
would like to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I, I commend you, uh, Mary Alice Birdwhistle and your church as a whole for just taking that time to sit there and recognize this because I know with the Enneagram, there's so much courage that is required to be able to look in that mirror that you talked about, but especially, um, congregations and churches, that's really hard too. Um, because in so many ways, they're almost expected to have it all together to be able to do it perfectly. And, um, and so the fact that your church is pausing to think about this, and reflect, not just think, but reflect yeah, on the doing yeah, and the feeling yeah. and finding balance um, is is wonderful. That's so good. So tell me um, what some of the, like from this event where you were talking about this, are there other examples of what you noticed that other church leaders were able to take away from the event, what they um, gained from it, how, you know, they were waking up to maybe this lack of balance in some ways in their congregations? Yeah, it was really fascinating because about half of the crowd knew the Enneagram, and I knew about two-thirds of the people attending because of just my own connections in Cooperative Baptist Fellowship life. And it was interesting to see the lights come on of people who knew the Enneagram but had not thought about connecting it to their mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. And then other people that were hearing this language for the first time mm-hmm. were being overwhelmed by this talk of nine numbers and three types of three characteristics, and mm-hmm. maybe some of our listeners are feeling the same way. Um, <laughs> but by the end of the three-day workshop, there was there was just a lot of energy in the room around okay, when I go back, we're going to have this conversation. And, and you know, they were asking about staff retreats and mm. deacons retreats and church leadership retreats, you know, just different ways to to gather key leaders to reflect on some of this and mm-hmm. to revisit mission statements and to, to look at their budgets and how it reflects these things. Yeah. One uh, church was talking about just kind of uh, that they just made a list of all these ministries they have and were really wondering... Uh, while they don't feel effective in any of them. They're mm-hmm. doing, 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 yeah. uh, but they don't have much of a heart connection in it, and they don't know why they're doing it. And I thought, you know, that's just great. That's a great place yeah. to be. Not yeah. stuck, but open right. to that. Right. Uh, and they they had kind of begun to realize this, but didn't really have tools for why it might be the case or what has led to this. And so they were able to go back with some resources now. Mm-hmm. Um, and... They're all, they're all also interested in just learning more and reflecting more on these kinds of things. So I, I felt really good about that's awesome. uh, the energy uh, in, in the room for, for this language. That's good. Well, and just the opportunity for them to hopefully learn from one another too, yeah. Yeah. right? So Absolutely. as you have congregations who are maybe more doing-oriented or more thinking or feeling, you know, in the same way that we have to pull from other numbers individually at different points yeah. to be able to find that balance... Um, it seems like this would be a really great opportunity for churches to come together and have open and honest conversations yeah. to learn from one another as well. Yeah, and in the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, they have, and I'm not going to get the name right, but they have these ministry learning teams mm-hmm. where ministers from different churches can get together quarterly to kind of learn from one another, like mm-hmm. a type of support group almost. And several of them were saying they want to focus on this as part of those Mm. learning teams and then some of the churches who are in the same parts of the country were talking about getting together and having some of those uh-huh. conversations that's awesome uh, some of them felt 
you know, some of the churches in similar parts of the country felt competitive with, with one another. <laughs> so, no. you know, we tried to set aside some of that, but you know, even churches do that. Oh, ego. <laughs> right. Oh. Ego is part of the Enneagram and it's also part of church life. Yes. Uh, but it was, it really was rich to, to see the interest that they had in how the Enneagram can apply to, to our churches. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really good. So, and it was really just a hypothesis for me and it still is. I mean, it's a question that I want to continue to ask. So I came out of it also feeling like, there's some research to be done. There's some more. There's more questions to be asked around. What do these dimensions really look like in churches? How? What kind of balance might already exist in churches, and and how do churches want to achieve greater balance, and how might they think about achieving that or working towards that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. So I know some of the listeners are, you know, not, I know that CXMH has listeners who are pastors and I'm, I'm hoping that this is serving them well and thinking about, you know, their congregations and, and what they're doing um, within their churches. But, um, but I'm also thinking about like congregation members. So what, like mm-hmm. in light of this and thinking yeah. about these differences, you know, what, what do you think that congregation members can take away from this as they think about their, their congregation or others? Yeah. One of the things that's interesting about the Church Works Conference is that it's not primarily focused on pastors. It's okay. focused on other ministers in the church. Okay. Uh, some lay leaders, but also associate pastors and children's ministers and youth ministers. Uh, some churches have social workers mm-hmm. or missions ministers. And so, each of those different ministry areas was also thinking about what does this mean for mm-hmm. the kinds of ministry I do. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of talk about family ministry, and with that is family health and relationships. So mm-hmm. that's an important piece in all of this. More churches are thinking about trauma and trauma response these days, mm-hmm. which I think is invaluable. Yeah. And this is a group of churches that has really tried to pay attention mm-hmm. to sexual violence mm-hmm. and the ways churches have both perpetuated it, mm-hmm. ignored it, and might seek to address it. Yeah. And how, if at all, can this language be a resource there? And I was just honored that they were asking those kinds of questions uh, to think uh, seriously about those kinds of needs mm-hmm. that church members are facing. Mm-hmm. And all of that really is related to mental health. Mm-hmm. Wellness and well-being at its best includes a mental component mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and mental health component. And so a couple of those churches have uh, either pastoral care providers mm-hmm. or spiritual directors. Uh, some have counseling centers. Some social workers. Social workers. Yes. yes, there are a few that have social workers. Uh-huh. Uh, at least uh, have connections in their community to other organizations uh, that are referral mm-hmm. resources for them. Uh, and we know that there are counselors who use the Enneagram, uh, and there are counselors who think about these kinds of dimensions. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I was encouraging all the leaders there was just to think about self-care. Mm-hmm. That's something that uh, everyone struggles with. Uh, there's opportunities for all of us. Uh, to pay more attention to that. Ministers are not exempt from that at all. They struggle as much as we do in social work and other uh, helping professionals. And so I was really encouraging them to think about their own mental health and Mm -hmm. their own self-care 
again, it's only by taking care of yourself can you provide the support to right. others. Right. Uh, and they were really committed to, to thinking about that as well. So mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, important that these church leaders were realizing, particularly those who knew the Enneagram, were realizing that this is not just a, a means of, of grace for oneself, of uh, being self-reflective, but also self-forgiving, but it is mm-hmm. a way to think about self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, others were asking, well, what does that look like and, and what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the non-judgmental part of the self-observation comes in. Sometimes when we look at the Enneagram, and we even talked about this last week, that when you know your number, you sometimes feel the icky parts first, or you, mm-hmm. you kind of see the pain mm-hmm. that maybe your number has caused yourself or others in your life. Mm-hmm. And the non-judgmental part of that mantra means observe that, but learn to let it go. Yeah. Don't be bound up by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, pay attention to it, learn from it, and then trust God's grace Mm -hmm. to be forgiving. Allow yourself to be forgiving. Uh, Because it's only then that you can really allow this balance to happen Mm -hmm. in these different dimensions. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get anywhere by beating myself up for wanting to achieve things all the time. Uh, I've realized along the way that I can't achieve family, that I can't achieve parenting. I looked at a survey just last week from an organization that says, how do most parents measure success? Uh And I got drawn into it for about 10 minutes, and then I just just shut the link down halfway Uh through the article. Because I thought focusing on what it means to be a successful parenting is what I'm all about as a three. Mm. But that gets me nowhere. Right. Because there's so much more to my relationship with my children than how I am successful in raising them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I focus too much on that and not enough on just the relationship itself. Mm-hmm. And you don't have control over it. And I don't have control you over it anyway. You don't have control right. anyways. Right. Right. I know. So, yes, I think all of this relates to our yeah. mental health and mental well-being. Yeah. Uh, and so there were a variety of conversations that I think were meaningful there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly in Enneagram talk and Enneagram writings, they're beginning to be more of those kinds of resources mm-hmm. uh, for a variety of helping professionals and leaders mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to connect with. Mm-hmm. It really is a tool that connects uh, psychology and spirituality in mm-hmm. a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully listeners will find that to be true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know it's not, you know, it, what's been tricky about this, and I know we've talked about, wouldn't it be nice if we could get some research behind this tool and this instrument, the way or this tool and the ways in which we can use it to help help others and serve others. Um, and I recognize as I'm using those words, that's my two coming out right now. <laughs> um, I didn't even notice it. I'm so close to use a three. I know, seems normal to me. I know. Um, but, um, but it is amazing how much this tool has been so life-giving and, and, and is able to um, help us think through some of these issues that, you know, we may not have had language otherwise to think through, um, particularly as last week we talked about the different lenses and how we see things. Um, and, um, and I think, 
even with this, like this idea of how we, with the congregations, being able to think more intentionally about how they approach ministry, how they approach what they do what, from a thinking, feeling, or doing standpoint, um, and how this then weaves into um, mental health and opportunities that the church um you know, creates for us to, you know, address or speak into or handle or treat or break down stigma around mental health. I mean, you brought this great um, example before that we could read books for days on, you know, what is mental health and, you know, how, you know, what are these different diagnoses and how do they impact individuals? But having congregation members who can connect with and feel and have empathy and break down some of the stigma in that way. Um, and then also having individuals who have more of that doing standpoint where they're you know, maybe more of the hands and they're offering the ministries. Like, you know, at, at, at the church that my family and I go to, we have this um, ministry that's called Reclaim that is centered around um, um, serving those who are struggling with any hurt, hang up or habit. And so it can be an addiction. It can be, you know, trauma. It can be, you know, a number of different issues. And it's not treatment necessarily, but it's ministering to these individuals, even just by holding the space for them. So, so yeah, so I'd be curious a little bit, like how these are affecting these opportunities for churches um, to have these ministries. And you, it seems like you see that, that this can be affecting those opportunities. Absolutely. And, and some ministers were asking mental health specific questions Mm -hmm. and some, you know, some were wanting to, to talk about the Enneagram and, and mental illness. Well, you know, there's a difference in how churches can address mental illness because most church leaders aren't really equipped right. to be able to address that. And so we talked about only do it to the extent to which we're competent, being right. able to make referrals, right. and the Enneagram does not provide the the evidence for providing that level of, of intervention. Right. But there's a but there's a difference between the, the care that we can offer for people who are experiencing mental illness and mm-hmm. other strategies to promote mental health mm-hmm. in congregational mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of an aha moment for some churches to realize, okay, a lot of what we're doing really is focused on strategies for mental health. Some of our, our ministries really do address that. Mm-hmm. We can talk about ministries that reduce anxiety, ministries that promote social supports, mm-hmm. ministries... Mm-hmm. Uh, that strengthen relationships, mm-hmm. ministries that foster a better sense of self, mm-hmm. uh, all are ministries with strategies to promote mm-hmm. mental health. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I wanted them to walk away from. That's you know, you don't have to have a counseling ministry mm-hmm. to be engaged in mental health mm-hmm. care as a church, mm-hmm. that other ministries really are meaningful in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, on the more sophisticated end is uh, addiction-focused ministry, like mm-hmm. what your church is, is mm-hmm. offering. Uh, Suzanne just offered uh, Suzanne Stabile just offered a workshop this weekend on mm. uh, Enneagram and recovery, mm-hmm. and is able to walk through. Wait, I don't of, think, but I don't think we mentioned Suzanne uh, earlier in yeah, this episode. Sure. We mentioned her last week, but yeah, tell my, us who she is. My mentor and author of The Road Back to You, uh, who's done a lot of work connecting the 
Enneagram with different aspects of the Christian life. Mm -hmm. So she's done workshops on Enneagram and recovery most recently. She's done workshops on the Enneagram and grief. Mm -hmm. She's done workshops on Enneagram and relationships, Mm -hmm. Enneagram and adoption, Enneagram Mm -hmm. work with veterans. Wow. And she acknowledges I'm not a therapist. Uh, and she does work in ministry, but she's not a minister, mm-hmm. but she is a teacher of a tool that is focused on compassion, mm-hmm. primarily, she describes it, and that is a resource mm-hmm. for well-being in the life of our church. Mm-hmm. It is a resource for mental health. Mm-hmm. And there's research to be done in each of those areas where she's doing workshops, right. and we hope to uh, take some next steps with some of those, and we've already begun some of that. Uh, but just... Uh, building on her work and the work of others who are looking at those different dimensions mm-hmm. uh, really has been rich to be able to see just how many uh, connections there are between the Enneagram uh, and the care we try to provide, both in churches, mm-hmm. but also just by being aware of the role of spirituality and religion right. in the lives of yeah. uh, the people we serve, the people we're caring for, mm-hmm. as well as our lives as practitioners and right. professionals. Yeah, absolutely. Oh gosh, it's yeah, and, and I mean, I know I've I've spoken on um, one episode um, not too long ago um, on that and the importance of that, um, the religion and spirituality of the client as well as the practitioner. Um, but I think just really seeing this and how the enneagram. You know, it, it, it isn't, I mean, we're not talking about mental health specifically with the Enneagram. Again, the Enneagram is a personality typing system, right? And it's a way to be able to understand our personality. Um, and the mental health piece is separate. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, but, but, but I think they are related. They are. I think think they are too. How we think about our own mental health is often rooted in our personality, mm-hmm. and there are dimensions of our personality uh, that af- that affect and are affected by aspects of yes. of our mental health. Yes. So, in a lot of workshops, when we talk about the numbers, we talked last week about the best way to understand your numbers to think about mm-hmm. and listen to stories of people on the journey. Mm-hmm. And what most people share in learning their number is a story of some kind of awareness Mm -hmm. of how they've hurt or been hurt Mm -hmm. along the pathway of life Mm -hmm. and how childhood experience, something adolescence has shaped them, Mm -hmm. has haunted them, has affected relationships, and and how this is a tool that really can provide them the compassion that they need Mm -hmm. to be able to overcome that Mm -hmm. or to be able to let go of some of those uh, pieces that have shaped so much of, of who they are. And, and the coping. Yeah, and the coping. continuing learning to cope. Yeah. Um, well, if you would like to connect with Dr. John Singletary, you can find him at John underscore Singletary on Twitter. Um, we're going to include some of the other ways of contacting him um, in the show notes as well as some details um, based on what we talked about today. Um, John, thank you so much again for joining me for this second episode. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? 
Well, it really is just a gift to be here. I'm grateful that Robert has turned the reins over to you for oh, me uh, too. a couple of uh, several episodes and that you've included me for a couple of those. Yeah. Uh, I just appreciate uh, the listeners and uh, the, the work that this podcast does in providing resources for people on the journey of thinking about uh, religion and spirituality, of uh, the faith journey and mental health. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I really think the Enneagram fits in that. I really think it is a great tool for reflecting on uh, who we have become in life's journey and who we still are created to be mm-hmm. and how God is able to be at work in our lives. And I hope the listeners will hear that part of the richness of the Enneagram for their own journey. I love that. I wholeheartedly agree with all of that. So thank, thank you. you so much yeah, for this coming. Has been fun. Yeah, thank you. And Robert, thank you for letting me take over your podcast these last couple of weeks. Um, I hope you all have a great week and thank you again for joining us. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMHpodcast at gmail.com. A final note. If you're in a dark place today, struggling with suicidal thoughts, you are not alone. Professional help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255.